0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything I Need to Know I Learned as a Bartender. Hmm. There was a book called I Learned as a kindergartener, but Mm -hmm. maybe somebody wrote that book as a bartender, but maybe I should write it. I think that sounds like a
1: book title waiting to happen, though.
0: Yeah. yeah. And all I did was listen. And people would be like, man, this happened and this happened. And and like an hour later, I've said four words, and they're like, I love you, man. You (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just listening here, and you know, they walk. I, I love that guy, Zach. He's that's my dude. It's like I did, I, I literally said like two sentences, and but it was body language as well, and it was just connecting. And but all, you know, body language is huge here when you when someone walks in and they're not into it. If a guy comes in here with a fancy suit and he knows the stuff and he doesn't want to talk, you don't try and sell to him, you just let him do his thing. But there's ways to sell to him. But you got to read that first, and and I'm not trying to upsell anybody, or you know, I just want to connect the person with the right bottle. Mm-hmm. That is the honest truth. There are people that have goal, or like sales goals, and all that. We don't do that here, but that they they push the high end bottle, and because that they just want that instant sale. But I know that we're gonna get more people coming back if we sell them what they need or want and if it's at good value or a great price mm-hmm. So,
2: and that was zach edson the general manager of metro wines uh, metro wines is a independently owned wine shop here in asheville they do all sorts of cool stuff from tasting events and they offer a great selection of wines from all over the world
1: And this is the Making It in Asheville podcast, a podcast where the two of us sit down with people like Zach, learn what they are making, and how they are making it in Asheville.
2: And we're your hosts, Sarah and Tony. And today we are super excited to share with you this interview with Zach. Uh, We met Zach a while back when we went into the wine shop and he was just so knowledgeable and friendly and helpful and and really took the time to ask us questions about what we were looking for in a wine. Uh, Tony has a whole story about That (laughs) (laughs) you'll
1: hear it momentarily, but Sarah's got it you know right on the nose. Zach and all the people really in Metro Wine, um, just take a level of care when trying to serve you and help you. And it becomes very clear that, like, there's no agenda to move some Riesling or another. Um, they really want to know what you're feeling like, what you're eating for dinner that night, or who you're buying for and what they're like. And that that makes a world of difference because we fell in love with Metro Wines for that reason. Yeah,
2: so we talk a lot about Zach's story. Um, he actually moved to Asheville fairly recently, so uh, we talk about where he came from, how we got into the wine industry, uh, how we got into Metro Wines, and and what kinds of projects he's working on there with the wine shop.
1: Yeah, and this is especially like a unique perspective in in so like so far in our podcast. Uh, a we haven 't had other wine shops on or or general managers of wine shops, so that 's a thing, but um Zach moved from Cleveland and in Cleveland, he had his own wine shop, so he was a business owner, and we talk a lot about entrepreneurs, artists, and you know independents uh, when we do our intros and talk about what this podcast is about and so Zach has been an entrepreneur, he moved to Asheville to make it, and he 's making it. As a gm and helping to grow a business and i think that you know it it would be easy for i don't want to say easy for us but it would be a different podcast if we weren't able to have conversations with folks like zach who add real value to the lives of the business owners but also all of the guests who show up and it's a story that we are glad to tell excited to tell i think it's um it's really special and we want to champion it so Anything else to add before we dive in?
2: No, let's dive in.
1: Cool. Here we go. Uh, episode 24 with Zach Edson. Enjoy. Thank you for having us. We are in... Metro wines. Just a stone. Th- I could literally, I think, throw a vortex football from our apartment to this really? shop. Hmm. If I leaned really far back and gave it hell, <laughs> or okay, I in in a tin cup version of the world, I could uh, chip a golf ball down the street and have it roll past this shop. Sweet. You know what I mean? We're close. So big thi-
0: tin cup fan by are, the way. You? Yes. yes. So you like I'm that Big golfer played in college. So. Some-
1: <laughs> That's fine. So I'll use movie references sometimes, and they just get lost in the ether. But you know what I Excellent. mean? Yes. Like the longest drive he turns, puts it on the road, and goes a mile? Oh, yeah. Cool. So we're super close to this. This is our neighborhood uh, wine shop. You were the first person. Hmm. You no, know, we bought wine from. This is our neighborhood wine shop, and we are so glad. First to
0: person to pair wine for your meal.
1: For my meal in, yes. like, a big way. And I did something weird. I was like. I think Sarah was making a risotto, and you're like, is there asparagus? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. dreaded <laughs> uh, asparagus. Okay, so um, maybe a seconds, a couple of seconds, tweetable version of an intro to who you are and where we are.
0: My name is Zach Edson, and um, I'm not from here. Uh, I just moved here in February, uh, w- but we are in Ash- Asheville, North Carolina. We are at Metro Wines, and I'm the general manager of this lovely wine shop, and originally from D.C., and my wife is from here. She's from Fairview, and we moved here, uh, honestly, uh, for our kids' education. So we have three kids, and uh, they just started school this week, so we're excited.
1: Amazing, and... um you moved here this year right this calendar year so how how many months ago i don't know if we you said that it's like
0: six or seven months ago yeah so
2: okay so double the time that we've been here (laughs) at the time of this recording
1: which is uh for us we feel like we've been in Asheville for a lot longer than three months i'm wondering i feel the same way right i do
0: i couldn't tell you why um Maybe because everyone is so nice here and are welcoming. Maybe because I feel that way. Because my wife is established here and is from here and has friends here. Um, but really, I, I feel the same way. I feel like I've been here for a long time.
1: It's I, I, I want I want to say strange, but it's not like because if it were strange, somehow or another, it would feel uncomfortable. It feels really right. But there is a uncanny, for in our experience, I think, welcome, welcoming sense of things in Asheville uh, that made us feel at home almost right away.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like I, we always compare it, and, and I hate comparing, but we always compare living here with living in Brooklyn, and how we've made more friends and met more people in the past three months and part of it could be because we're doing a podcast and we're meeting a bunch of people um, than we ever did in Brooklyn. So I feel like there's a strong sense of hospitality here. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. So uh, this wine shop, Metro Wines, um, again, in our backyard, but I'm wondering, knowing that you were relatively new in town, um, how did you find Metro Wines? like... It, We have an audience of Ashevillians, Ashevillites, people from Asheville, and we have people from not Asheville who are interested in Asheville, who want to live in Asheville, used to live in Asheville, Um, and a lot of times the question is, how do you find a job when you get here? How did you find
0: Metro Wine? Well, I think the answer to that question starts with how I got into wine, and uh, I've been in the industry for 17 years, and it started out kind of like a lot of people where you're a server and, or a bus boy. And, um, I think as soon as I turned 21, I was bartending at the beach in South Carolina and my cousin ran a bar and, you know, I was serving girls in bikinis all day long. I was very happy and, uh, I just left military school and I thought, you know, let's, let's have some fun and, uh, start in the restaurant industry. And it kind of After leaving military school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I stayed in the industry. And I kind of, you know, years later, found I had a a passion for it. And I decided that I wanted to kind of start my own business. And I thought that that was going to be a restaurant. And so I really, from like 2003 or four, I was just trying to hone skills and you know from design to QuickBooks to whatever to to run my own place and then that actually turned out to be led me into wine Mm. and um, I was a sommelier and uh, ran some bars and um, and this all happened a lot of this took place in Cincinnati Ohio Um, I was one of the sommeliers for Jean Robert who was like the top guy there and I worked at Boca which is a nice Italian restaurant and Mm probably the those two uh restaurants are top two in the city and um started a or i purchased a wine shop there in uh for a dollar from a very nice couple what Uh, (laughs) was the business was a dollar but the inventory was you know 15 grand or something Mm -hmm. and um they were very nice and gave me i was a I was a sales rep at the time. I was selling wine to restaurants actually and um and I um, um didn't have much money and I moved to Cincinnati without a job really and um but turned it around and bought this wine shop. They were very nice. They gave me a year to pay it off and um built built a restaurant from a or a wine shop from about 180,000 in revenue to about 700 in about two or three years, and um, wow, mm-hmm. and we had one of the busiest wine tastings in the city. This is around 2000, 2013 uh, when I it was 2012 or 13, and um, became pretty popular tasting. We had 150 people at every wine tasting every week, and. <laughs> um, it's, and, a, it's
1: a totally different scale. I'm th- thank thank you for saying that. It's a totally different s- scale than I imagined in my mind. Okay, I, yeah. I feel like I'm going to want to ask questions about that. But continue yeah. with so, your train of thought. So uh,
0: to speed it up, we you know I saw that there was a need for people sipping wine rather than buying it and walking out. So got with my landlord and we turned it into a wine bar, and which seemed like a good idea at the time. But it pretty much took over my life, and I was doing 80, 90 hours a week, and um eventually my wife was like we never see you Mm. and we have kids and my daughter at breakfast was like daddy what are you doing here and i'm like oh boy we've gotten there so um ended up there's so many stories of how it happened but basically sold it and we had my wife and i had kind of a long-term plan to come to Asheville, and uh sold it and we kind of our plan was going to get Let's get to Asheville, mm. and i was I was on the fence of do I stay in this industry or do I go into accounting or like you know I was talking to someone about payroll services and and um I did some like soul searching and I was meant for this industry, and cool. I love it and I feel like I'm pretty good at it and understanding people and helping people find the right bottle and listening to people and, um, keeping the pretension out of wine. And, and so I did focus it and say, you know what, I want to stay in retail. And so that gets to your question. I researched, I, I had been coming here for years, uh for at least 10 years and, going to all the wine shops. And there's a lot of cool wine shops around here, a lot of good people. And I researched who had room, number one, and where do I want to be for a long time? Because I wanted this next move to be it. Mm -hmm. And I came, it narrowed down to two shops and uh, I made the right decision with Metro Wines.
3: Cool.
1: Okay, so... That was a very uh, no, that, was a per- period, I mean, that was but... a perfect, and I'm going to let Sarah ask a question, but uh, I'm sure that in the future we'd have an intro that gives some of that, uh, but I, I have been excited for this interview because there is fundamentally something, I think, really courageous about the move and uh, that it will be wholly different than the narrative of, like, come to Asheville, start a thing. Um so, I'm really excited to unpack that. Really excited to hear how, how, how do you get a hundred and what kind of space are you talking about for 150 uh, t- like
0: 750 square feet. Oh,
1: my goodness. So, what it are we in packed. right now? How, how big is, because
0: that, uh, this is probably, um, this is more than double that. Um, if we're just talking about the, we're not talking about the back part right, right. of it, yeah. it's, Probably double that, so, so this spot is. So
1: when you get 150, you're talking about over the course of, like, the five-hour evening. It, it was
0: from five to eight. Got it. Yeah. But and, still, that's But that was incredible. packed for three hours. Yeah. And, you know, it it was... But it was great. It was it, it was high energy, yeah. you know. And, uh, and that kind of helped the reputation. People would walk by and be like, oh, my God, what's going in there? Yeah, there's you know, nothing so. better than a, a line or people when you're trying to build a line of people. Yeah. Right. I mean, people... At a at a wine tasting that we would do, you come up to the bar and you you pour like this is wine number one, this is wine number two, mm-hmm. but there I mean so many nights where I was just walking down the line like who's on one,
3: you know like <laughs>
0: just, you know just going like literally like a forty foot line. So uh,
3: um, anyway, yeah, cool.
2: I mean, I want to know why wine. Like I I love wine. I enjoy drinking wine. I pretend to know something about wine, um, but I don't know that much about wine. Do you remember the defining moment where you were like, yeah, wine, this is it. This, I want to become a sommelier. I want to like, really deep dive into this industry. Um, what was yeah, that like?
0: Yeah, there, there's a number of reasons why. Uh, at a place called Boca that I was working, um, there was some... There was a lot of people that came in there that knew what they were doing with wine and had some amazing like million dollar sellers and they were bringing this guy bought futures, which is basically buying wine before it's even made mm-hmm. and in bordeaux and you know he was bringing in like eighty two margot's and I was tasting these wines as a server and being blown away by this and uh like it literally like rippled on my tongue and I'm like, what is that? And also that restaurant really started the passion for, uh, taking it further into food and wine. They were very good about First of all, it was like a military style situation where in pre-service or the, before the, the restaurant started, we we would all meet and they would just drill us on the menu. Where's the sauce from? How do you make it? where's the rosemary from which farm give me the guest version give me the chef version shut up and sit down you know and um i got in trouble all the time but uh I, you know like go home you don't know your stuff and just because i was like you know 25 and trying to just hang out you know and, uh but then i took it seriously and the 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 answer is the passion started with food and then realizing that food and wine have such a an amazing connection especially the regions where they're from i learned in that that restaurant that what what grows together goes together and a lot of the cuisine i i don't know the answer to this and i i've wondered why which one came first the cuisine or the wine
1: i bet you it's in concert
0: and the you know the idea is that um you know a lot of the italian foods come from like struggle and mm-hmm. from from you know what do we have around us that we can make into something added, you know like mm-hmm. that that is good and and also what's going to pair with this wine mm-hmm. or maybe vice versa and so, interesting. so the history of wine is what kept me in and also that every single every you know i've been doing this for so long now that and i'm still intrigued and blown away by wines and there's always something that you you haven't tasted before mm. and that's you know that's pretty crazy cool I, I i think
1: that's the last part there's always something you haven't tasted before i am i don't know i i want to be a more prolific drinker and connoisseur of alcoholic beverages than i am but i have always been amazed walking into a wine shop versus like walking into the beer section of a standard i don't know beer section liquor store so in new jersey it's different we haven't actually been to many beer stores walking into a bookshop
2: it's like walking mm. into it's a bookstore, mm-hmm. like story yep. and mysticism that you're like
1: And it's like how do you know what's going to be the good yeah. book? Do you read the cover? Like or do you trust the librarian, book right. shop keep? And like I default to asking for directions when I don't know where I am and I default to asking for help when I'm in a wine shop. So the first time we were in here, we didn't shop, we were just like taking a walk when we the day we moved to Asheville. The first time I bought wine uh, you were in here, and I thought well, I was. And I was shopping with my mom, who was in town that weekend. Um, I thought that the way you treated me as the librarian in this, you know, metaphor was incredibly special. And I'm wondering. I imagine it has a lot to do with repetitions, but like, how do you try and learn enough to give a good answer? And not just push one. Like you did a lot of things right. I would love to know how you think about uh, customer service in a wine shop. Yeah.
0: So first of all, I thought that was your sister. So just saying. <laughs> hey, my um, yeah. dear. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <the> <laughs> she'll love that's that. That's a big. <laughs> that's a big part of of running a wine shop f- for a while and trying to make it. And I think that if I had any success there it had everything to do with that and it's listening to the person that walks in the door because everybody is different and everybody wants something different and everybody's looking for something different and you could be walking in one day and looking for something and the next day it's it's completely different and we can't as you know wine shop people we can't treat every every scenario the same mm-hmm. and I've approached it with questions every single time sometimes the guest that walks in is annoyed by the questions but i just say hey work with me a little bit i i'm here to help you i just want to you know and because i want that person i'm not looking for that instant sale i'm looking for the relationship Mm -hmm. and that um you know, I don't know the details of the conversation, but I wanted to know what you you were eating, and I probably took it a little bit further in the details of what you're eating. I probably asked, "Is it a gift?" At first, um, because if it's not for you, then I don't care what you like. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about the special person that you're bringing it to, and mm. um, so there's a lot uh, that I I think it's very important to ask questions. Because, I mean, this one lady walked up one time and and tasted a wine, and she goes, oh, my God, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever tasted. And next lady walks up right after her, didn't hear, hear her say that, and said, that's the best wine I've ever had, I'll take a case. You know, so everybody's different. And diving in and asking questions is important. The shops that are doing that are the ones that are doing it right. The shops that aren't doing that are the shops that are doing it wrong. And that's another reason why I'm here at Metro is because they were doing that before I got here mm-hmm. and they will always continue to do that. And that has a lot to do with the ownership. They, the the people here would do that without the ownership, but I always notice in small establishments that it, everything bleeds from the top.
3: Mm.
0: And if um, the owners are care a lot about the person that walks in the door, then the other people will too. And vice versa, if they don't, you're going to feel that from the person at the register to the person sweeping the floor to the person running the place. Mm-hmm. So,
2: Trickles down.
1: Love that. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it, I mean, it, it definitely did. And I, so one of the things I, I'll say to Sarah, so we're, Sarah and I are, I, I have a background in sales, <laughs> uh, a bun- bunch of different versions, but Sarah you know I used to work in software and we'd see each other at night and she's like how was your day I was like you know bunch of sales calls and well, now we're on sales calls together hmm. and it's interesting and one of the things that I try to do um and Sarah has noticed is when we're in like a discovery phase of like are we going to be a fit do you like what do you think you need uh we're doing it right If we're not talking much, if we're asking questions and getting in like the more information we can download, the better we can serve. And what I heard you say is you ask a ton of questions, whether it's about them or whoever they're buying it for, uh, so that they can best serve. And the question, the type of questions that I remember were, I thought, I thought you were like some, you had like a crystal ball Oracle type vibe because you're like, um, you know what kind of food are you making? I'm like, uh, it's a risotto, and you're like, scallops. I was <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> and I was like, uh, and I was like, wow. And he's like, uh, do he's you also a mind reader. I, 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 was like, that, but... I was like, I was like, you said something else. And you're like, um, all right, I have a uh, okay. So let's talk this thing. And then you go, oh wait, is there going to be asparagus? And I was like, I think yes. And I texted Sarah, and she was like, yeah. And you're like, okay, that changes
0: everything (laughs) (laughs) they say asparagus and artichokes and i'm sure there's other things are just some of the most difficult foods to pair with wine oh you do and they're they're astringent and they're just you know bitter and kind of awkward with 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 wine so
1: so i mean i i just i remember leaving feeling heard feeling listened to feeling like we had navigated the shop um and to your point and this is something else that we've unpacked on uh, you know podcasts in the past at this point are, is the idea of trying to build the relationship over trying to capture a sale in that first meeting. And I think you did a wonderful job creating a relationship out of thin air because of the way it was clear that you cared that we went home with something that was going to probably be a win. And that's a crazy thing. You, you, you work in an industry where it's the thing is hidden until you get home or until like weeks or years later and you don't know like there isn't a fast feedback loop on oh I think you're gonna I think you're gonna like this wine let's open it give you a taste like that doesn't exist right
2: well you want that sometimes but well I mean sometimes there are tastings right and I'm sure people taste the wine and then they buy it but then There are other factors, like you were saying, that the wine could age; it could change over time, and you really don't know what you are gonna get, right? You know, two three years later.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know, the tasting thing. There is people that come in here and be like, "Mm, "Yeah, I'll have that one." Yeah, let me taste it first. Can you open it? I am like, "Uh, no." Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish Uh, we do have tastings, but you know, that's a calculated business strategy, and or you know. Uh, there's a plan for that, and yeah. this is not a plan. This is us losing money, you know. So, right. uh, but you can't say that. You Just yeah. be like, I wish I, I wish I could offer that to you. However, um, you know, I can sell it to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. That's um,
1: that sounds like a that sounds like a retail customer for sure. Yeah. Where, uh, I don't want to say it. Just seems like it would be better if everyone worked at least for some short while in retail or in service Mm -hmm. do you think that that is it true oh yeah
0: oh yeah everything i need to know i learned as a bartender Hmm. there was a book called i learned as a kindergartner but Mm -hmm. maybe somebody wrote that book as a bartender but maybe i should write it i think that sounds like a
1: book title waiting to happen though
3: yeah
0: yeah and all i did was listen and people be like man this happened and this happened and and like an hour later I I've said four words and they're like I love you, man. You
3: know, like,
0: <laughs> just listening here, and you know they walk out. Oh, I, I love that guy, Zach. He's, that's my dude. It's like I did. I, I literally said like two sentences, and but it was body language as well, and it was just connecting. And but all you know, body language is huge here. When you when someone walks in and they're not into it, if a guy comes in here with a fancy suit and he knows his stuff and he doesn't want to talk you don't try and sell to him. You just let him do his thing, but there's ways to sell to him, but you got to read that first. And, and I'm not trying to upsell anybody or, you know, I just want to connect the person with the right bottle. Mm -hmm. That is the honest truth. There are people that have goal or like sales goals and all that. We don't do that here, but that they, they push the high end bottle. And because they just want that instant sale, but I know that we're going to get more people coming back if we sell them what they need or want and if it's at a good value or a great price. Mm-hmm. So,
2: anyway. Yeah. Interesting. So, I love this tactic, and I think we've talked a lot about that in a lot of other places on and the wine. podcast as well. Okay. But I think it's interesting you've grown, that when you were in Cincinnati, you grew this other wine business. What other tools and tactics did you use to to grow it was it just tastings or 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 were there other components to that growth
0: it was it was on the ground guerrilla warfare whatever the term is where uh you know grassroots word of mouth i didn't pay for advertising other than facebook at the time you know a few boosts here and there and and at the time i this is when likes mattered Mm -hmm. and They could matter, and I got five thousand likes like that, and it was just like I was so proud of that. Now it's like doesn't mean anything. (laughs) At least I don't think it does anymore. But uh, hardly. I mean, it doesn't.
1: People liking your page doesn't mean that you're gonna they're gonna see your content right anymore. In the past world, it was almost uh, it was a high likelihood that if you posted something, someone would your followers would scroll past it same day or the next day.
0: Right, but the answer is. I'm not doing anything that the... I didn't do anything that the people at Metro aren't doing. It It's building relationships, mm-hmm. and it's caring. It's listening. I mean, there's phone calls that I get that I could just... I could just pass them off to something else and be done with it. But I have a conversation with that person, and I talk to them, and I... I try to make it meaningful. It's not that I try, it's just, it's happening. Yes. And, and um, you know, that's what they do here. And um, it was, I think I built the business in Cincinnati by being nice to people and caring, bottom line. I think that's it. I, I mean,
1: while it was a long time ago and it, and it seems like it was a pretty particular and special situation, we're considering like i'm open to the idea of trying to buy a living business um the the idea of of buying the business for a dollar right we're looking at this like amazon play um buying the business for a dollar buying the inventory and then paying over time i'd love to hear just a little bit more about that so that we can show up to a conversation well, they, in a couple of weeks smarter.
0: So they were clients of mine. I was a sales rep. I was pouring at tastings at their establishment. And I knew them beforehand as kind of friends. Their daughter was friends with my wife. And they were. Th- this was a side business for them. This was a hobby. And they were going to go out of business, really. And I think that the transaction with me was better for them. In addition, and the market in Cincinnati, there was a wine shop. There was probably six or seven wine shops within a mile of where I was. Wow. If that's not right, it's very close. Mm -hmm. And the competition was ridiculous. I knew that. We had zero parking. That was the problem from day one to day whatever, but... Zero parking, tons of competition. Small wine shop. You know, people. We were in an alleyway almost. People were like they would just poke their head in and be like, "Doing okay in here? You know, like, you gonna make it?" <laughs> and uh, uh, they they would start that conversation like, "I wish, I wish you well," you know, <laughs> and uh, like, "Oh, poor buddy." And I would be like, "Actually, it's the business wine tasting in the city," and they're like, "What?" Um, but they they were nice enough to they weren't worried about money mm-hmm. and they were nice enough to give me a year to pay off the inventory but i you know with sales of the product i would i paid them off quarterly cool. and um i i did have to take i had i had to borrow some money yeah it wasn't it was i mean my shelves and they looked nice but they were ikea shelves uh it but it was it had a good vibe to it. I think that that was also the atmosphere, also brought people in and back. So it was being nice to p- people and creating an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other things, but we had zero parking. I don't recommend that ever. Yeah. That was the other thing about Metro. When I was narrowing it down, it's like, well, these guys have two parking spaces and Metro has 50. I'm <laughs> going with Metro. Yeah. <laughs> I actually said when I sold oakley if i ever do get into business with somebody else they have to have parking if if it's going to be a wine store and Uh that was a major factor
1: Uh, a that's really they say you know location 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 that is a part of location that i don't think is necessarily top of mind for everyone or at least for me um so that's compelling i'm wondering about like Uh, I want to call it a CMS, customer management, like relationship management, however you want to define that. But did you do anything special with email marketing or with like recording who people were and what they bought? Um, Or was it just like you have a steel trap elephant brain? um, I was
0: one of those bartenders, and I know there's millions of bartenders out there that can do the same thing where you walk in and I go, Tony Heineken, you know, Sarah you know, Pinot Grigio. That's not your drinks. I'm just like, you know, yeah. throwing it out there. And, um, I would remember product to face. And I would do that without writing things down, but I did keep a journal. I had about seven journals at the end of the, you know, at the end of the stint where it, w- you know, I'd say, uh, you know, Jeff and Tony, yada, 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 they mm-hmm. like this or whatever. So I did keep track um, I don't think email marketing was, I mean, I had,
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, 40% rate open, uh, couple, couple grand people, but it really, I don't think that was a big part of, you know, the, the, the email list here is fantastic. And that has a lot to do with Gina, the owner, her writing is fantastic. Yes. She was featured in uh wall street journal and, um, Several times. And um but but that wasn't a big thing for me in, in Cincinnati. Cool. Um maybe it could have been. It it got the word out, don't get me wrong, but um honestly I think Facebook was it was it was really just word of the word of mouth though hitting the streets and a little bit of Facebook and email.
1: Cool. Yeah, I think uh I suspect Email marketing is something that we just strongly believe in um, as a channel that you can own as a business uh, versus, you know, Facebook changed the, mm-hmm. the algorithm. Your 5,000 followers or friends or, or likes or whatever um, aren't guaranteed to see your stuff. Email, whether or not you think people open emails, is a guaranteed means to get to a piece of real estate that these people will at least scan. And so one of the things I do love about Metro Wine's emails today are they are some of the best subject lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like... You're
2: like, I have to open I, this. What is, what going-, is going on? <laughs> this is nothing I to agree. do with wine. I, yeah, like- <laughs>
0: they are they are brilliant. And I think that... Um, and first of all, my Cincinnati stint with emails and not being successful or whether they were or not had nothing to do with whether I believed it or not. It was... Lack of being able to do it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't put effort in a lot of effort into it because I I was doing QuickBooks and I was doing this. I didn't have a dedicated person to it, mm-hmm. and so I would just treat it like, oh, let me just get something out, and I, that was a big fail. And I could have been a lot better if I did take it seriously. But yes, Gina has some amazing. And I think honestly, you brought up um, the you some you texted me and said, hey, the, there was an error. Yeah, thing, error alert. I think it had to do with the subject line at that, that time, like thinking it, because it was so off the wall that it was like spam. And and I did ask her, hey, did you have a lower open rate? And she said, yeah, I think it was because of Labor Day. I was like, nope. <laughs> it was, and I showed her, she's like, oh,
1: man. Yeah, and, but uh, but historically, I imagine, so you're saying that when you were in Cincinnati you had 40% open rate, that's tremendous. It's like, Yeah. So to half-ass or half-heart Something and think that you're going to get like a full return, you can't, right? So, no, I like that you at least identified. Well, I wasn't that wasn't my thing, mm-hmm. um, but it is that's still tremendous. I mean, that just speaks to the relationships you built in the shop that you could see 40% open rates, um, in a channel that you weren't like all in on. That's incredible. That's yeah. all,
2: yeah. And a wine newsletter is like. I've I've kind of studied this a little bit that yeah. they oh you have
1: a history in wine newsletters no <laughs> no
2: but, but like I've I've learned yeah. let's just put it that way I've learned that they are they are very different from regular newsletters in the sense that like it's a lot about that relationship and like storytelling and like hey I'm Zach and I'm writing you a newsletter from whatever wine shop you know here's what I think you should know about versus hey I'm wine shop buy this wine you know like it, it's a lot more about Um, the report to which I think is very interesting is to your point of when someone comes in the shop, it's a lot about that relationship and not just bye, bye, bye. Mm -hmm.
1: And, and I'll add to that, that it's different than let's say uh, clothes, right? Where your, your email is going to be, Hey, we have this new shirt in wine. You're, you're speaking to an audience that has all sorts of different, uh, you know, self-assessments of their knowledge. And I think that has to be crazy, right? So you talk about the guy who's on the suit. He might be on your mailing list. He knows the one that he wants. He has a very specific uh, opinion. How do you educate and tell compelling stories for people who are dying to learn or think that they might want to learn versus people who think that they already know that's a very interesting.
0: That's an ongoing battle. And that's a, uh, you know, uh, kind of touching on that. And I was teaching a class on sales to another wine shop. There was a couple of stints after my old shop called Oakley wines, uh, consulting type of gigs. And, um, there were two and one of them, I was teaching a class on how to sell to people. Mm. and, and, One thing I noticed, there was this guy that always came in and he, you know, hey, would you like some help? And he would just, he was always standoffish. He was always, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. And nobody would talk to him. And in my mind, I was like, I'm up for this challenge. Mm -hmm. And I approached him a couple times. This was like over like a three-week period, but like once per week that he came in. And by the third time, I was like, what do you think about this wine?
1: That's all
0: you need to do. What? What? Hey, I I saw that you took this home the other day. What did? What was your opinion on this? And well, it got true. him talking, and he wouldn't shut up. And after that day, and after our conversation, there was more to it. But after that conversation, he came in like Zach. What's good, man? <laughs> you like had, I flipped you had, this dude. Yeah, and, you had broken the yeah.
1: the Bronco. And the
0: it's all about reading and understanding and. But the bottom line is I whether it was a game to me or not and I enjoyed it, it's something that I cared about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. enough to give him the time of day because, you know, hundreds of people came in that day and uh, I, I wanted to learn more about this guy and I I honestly did want to hear what he wanted to say about the wine, but yeah. That was like how to flip it and not everybody's unapproachable. I, yeah. I completely agree.
2: Is there? Have you noticed a difference in the audience here in Asheville and other places that you've worked? Like, I mean, other than the fact that Asheville is a beer city, <laughs> but I mean, is there a difference in the the way the people act or the what they like drinking?
0: I actually get that question a lot here, and it. I don't. The people are n- very nice here, mm-hmm. and they're nice in cincinnati as well but they're very nice here and uh <laughs> and to be honest there's a there's a there's a big crowd here that uh like people will walk in here and be like hey man I saw hawk today let me tell you about this hawk and you're just like they talk and it, they just want to have a conversation and that leads into a relationship and people are just relaxed here and laid back and in Asheville, you know, people, or, or in Cincinnati, people walk in, they just start delegating, you know, like, three bottles, four red, you know, uh, or three white, four red, I need this, I need it now, and let's do this, and I'd be like, okay, you know, which is a great sale, because, like, yeah. boom, 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 but it's a lot, there's more depth yeah. here, and, but when it comes to pallets or anything like that, I mean, this is a food town, so, People like good wine, and Metro has a great selection. That's another reason why I chose this place is because it's not all California or it's not all, yeah. um, you know, one thing. There, there's a great selection here, and it's good value. And you know, that's another reason why people come here. But
2: yeah, and that probably draws customers that are kind of of a higher level of taste as well. I imagine.
0: Yeah. That's what a lot of people think that small wine shops, it's all for, like, fancy palettes. But it's more everyday people shopping here. And the thing about, you know, they say brick and mortar. I don't know if they say it's dying, but it's just struggling or it's not, you know, on the rise with everything else. And, And I think about that. Like, am I... Like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I know that. And to me, that's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, is that going to be okay 20 years from now when Amazon is selling wine? But Mm -hmm. the human connection is not something you can get at, maybe you can at some Trader Joe's, sorry, millennials, but not all, (laughs) um, but I'm sorry if that was rude. I'm actually technically a millennial. Is 82 millennial? Probably. <laughs> okay. I I feel like I am, but sometimes it, it frustrates me.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I think that that's a point. That's something that I th- I think about a lot. I think that I think that there is just an evolution going on in in brick and mortar commerce. I don't think very that, much so in Asheville. Yeah, I don't think that it's dying i don't think I, I, there's definitely changing but like i feel like it's 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 an exoskeleton and there's just like it's malting there's something that's happening people are going to make it other people are going to be left behind um sometimes at no fault but probably there are ways to see around the bend and make strategic decisions that keep you around when amazon exists right amazon there are still bookshops amazon started selling books like that's what they did, Amazon well, now Amaz- has a brick and mortar. I was gonna say
2: Amazon's bookshelf. also moving into brick and mortar themselves, so there, there, has got to be. I mean, there I mean, is. It just it there. There,
1: there just is, yeah. and I think that what you're pointing to is that there's relationships um, that are going to be important, but more than that is a human belief in expertise. And so when I when we talk to some like an apparel retailer. And we were talking about how would somebody who wants to try and you know take more care in how they dress and and how they show up physically, right? Uh, where would you start? And the answer is not at Old Navy. The answer is by going to a place where the employees or the people who work in the shop care and are have the capacity to uh, not only educate but. Uh, actually serve like in a powerful way we use that language a lot uh, the idea of serving powerfully and I think what you're talking about is not just building a relationship with a guy who likes a hawk but you're also proving um, without a shadow of doubt that you are an expert and if the customer thinks that they're an expert that's a beautiful thing because we get each other and you're creating a community in that way that's what I'm hearing
0: and the the key for me is not to come off as an expert, but a guide. Mm-hmm. I like using that word. Ooh, Ooh. and uh, but you, you're right. But you know, it's guiding someone. I think of our wedding business here at Metro. We do a big number when it comes to weddings a year, and well, there's we have seven weddings next week alone selling wine for people that are getting married, and. People think that we're always going to be more expensive, and I, for the person that's kind of price shopping, I lead with. Listen, I can get you wines that you can get at Walmart. We choose not to carry those for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. I can match those prices too, uh, but I'd rather sell you something that's seven ninety nine that is of good quality, that has a story behind it, has a family behind it, instead of like suits in a boardroom making decisions about a blend in a wine and adding sugar to it to make it taste better. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of, a little bit of a stigma that we have here as a small wine shop is we're we're going to be more expensive. But our number one selling wines are 8 and $10. And we survive that way because we sell a tons of cases a <laughs> week, you know, yeah. and... Uh, our number one selling wine, period, for five years, is uh, a white wine that's nine ninety nine, and it's great value, and it's a good wine, and it's not in any grocery store. I mean, I s- maybe I, it could be, but yeah. most grocery stores. Yeah. And um, so, w- w-
1: can I ask what what is it? Uh, it's,
0: um, it's a it's a Picpoul de Pinay, Picpoul de Pinet. And it's it's a white wine from France, and um, it's just medium bodied. It's it's easy. It's an easy drinking white wine. It's just very, very versatile and food friendly and crowd pleasing. Love it. Um,
1: what are you thinking, Sarah? I know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I would love to talk about a price friendly,
2: yeah.
1: interesting, red wine, and I happen I just see one. It's just on the other side of the, right over there on the other side of this microphone setup. <laughs> <laughs> so. We weren't sure if we were going to put a wine tasting in the podcast, but we kind of have to put something of a wine tasting. And because I think it starts to tell the story. Ooh, man, that sounds cool. Wait, do it again when I'm not ruining it by by talking. That sounded really cool. So, um, you know, there is, with all things that have – Uh, what's the right word for it? There's a lot of stuff going on in wine and it can be, uh, excluding to people who aren't, uh, maybe parents didn't drink wine, aren't familiar with wine, didn't study abroad in Florence and think that they know what the hell's going on with wine. And, and so, uh, for anyone who might not be a, uh, air quotes, you know, professional, oh yeah. So I'm gonna shut up. Ladies and gentlemen, that microphone was not in the bathroom. That was <laughs> <laughs> that was us uh about to indulge in a little bit of wine that I don't know the name of. But anyway, I, I just want I want I hope that we can somehow or another capture the idea that wine doesn't need to be exclusive. It can be you can walk into a shop, talk to someone like a Zach, um And get pointed in the right direction, and not break the bank. This is how how much is this wine that we're about to taste? Um,
0: I feel like you should taste it first. Taste it uh, it. uh, it first. (laughs) No, it's this is uh, Domaine de Couron. Uh, This is from the Rhone Valley. All my buddies back in Cincinnati, my wine geeks, are gonna just go like roll their eyes because I always talk about the Rhone Valley. But it's the easiest and best wine to red wine. I'll just say reds to sell. Because of the value, the balance, um, the balance in the wine, and the value uh, price point, point. Um, and this is eleven ninety nine. I mean, mm-hmm. if you get a case of this, it's it's fifteen percent off, and I mean that's that's an everyday price point. And to be honest, lower than seven ninety nine wines, you probably don't want to drink because they probably have part. It's probably part wine, part pesticides herbicides mm-hmm. you know part wh- nails i don't know yeah. <laughs> like fingernails no i'm just kidding <laughs> so <laughs> that's interesting that you said that. and
1: and my feather in my tiny tiny little wine cap is that in a past life i helped a guy in florence uh to sell wine tastings in this unbelievable uh, 14th or 15th century former prison cell that is now his wine cellar uh unbelievable space pinot Of Salumaria Verdi and uh, Pozzo Divino in Florence. I love you. Thank you. He's my father from Florence. But he would always give some sort of a warning to mostly young study abroad students and their parents when they would come into town and do the wine tasting on anything that was under, it would be around four or five euro, which is around that six, seven dollar mark at the time. Um, And his thing was, he would, he would, like break down the typical cost of an Italian wine bottle, and you know, say the glass on the sides, the glass on the bottom. Depending on the depth, there's different costs on those and the cork. Because a wine bottle should cost the producer about two euro. How can they sell you wine for three? Like what happens between the glass and the wine that you can buy a three three euro bottle of wine? There has to be bad things. Well, I can
0: tell you how it happens, and it's not like family-owned places. If you, if we were going to start a winery tomorrow and make wine, we're. I can tell you right now, as your business partners, we are charging nothing less than twenty-five dollars, just by uh, numbers alone of what we're going to produce. You know, and but let's go back to the old Charles Shaw Two Buck Chuck, which is more expensive than that now. The concept of Charles Shaw is that he was buying fruit from other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is kind of the legend that's going around in the industry. I didn't make wine with those winemakers, so I can't tell you for sure. But this is what I know. And they would purchase fruit from people like your buddy was talking about Mm -hmm. in Italy, in Florence. They would purchase what they did not want. They were like, this, this juice or these grapes, I don't want them in my wine for whatever reason, like um, whatever the whatever the reason. It, it was trash, and they were—Charles Shaw, people were buying all of that, putting it in a large vat and using oak chips instead of oak barrels and stirring it like a tea and adding sugar to it to make it taste better, to make it taste like wine. And you know the oh, the, the whole wow. the, the whole purple tea thing has it's because of sugar. Wow. Purple teeth and uh yeah. you know like mm-hmm. m- why most women won't drink red wine at parties is or weddings is because of the, not really yeah. it's just a <laughs> general statement opinion but when it happens more than 30 times it becomes a fact. Yeah. No. Uh No, but that's the you know uh, what we're drinking here is a, this is like a mom and pop situation. Small producers, it's at a great price point, and um, and to me, this is like you know they're not adding sugar to this. This is s- sustainably farmed, uh, which means that they are you know it's like a whole ecosystem. the 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 cattle are doing this to the land, and the this type of plant is doing this, and these bugs are doing this, and everything's working together, mm-hmm. and which means they don't have to spray, right? And have harm you know harmful chemicals in their wine i mean like some of the yelltale wines there i i read that they're they're going to court for having arsenic in their wine or something like that and you know some of these stories I that i'm remember. saying uh you know i've heard for years there's probably some joe Schmo that's gonna you know fact check me and be i like, would love someone to fact check okay. you we, keep saying that. Yes, <laughs> we keep saying yeah. it. one person fact check so far yeah. joanna you're the best uh we were
1: right uh, okay. when we made a claim
0: so let's so yeah i'm just saying like Like some of that stuff that's available in every grocery store in America and every CBS and gas station, you know that's not good for you. Yeah, that's not good for your body. I'm not saying wine is good for you, but I'm saying it's that's actually harmful for your body. Yeah. So
2: it's the the junk food of wine. Yeah, but
1: even more like one of the one of the things with olive oil that I was you know, beaten over my head when I was in Florence and in, in, in class was that first press, cold press, right? Because it's harder to extract the oil. That oil, therefore, is somehow or another the best oil. There's a lot of ways to extract oil from olives. Uh, all, almost anything that happens after the cold press is
0: hereby less quality, but you can start using chemicals to yep, extract this, it. That's exactly, it's right. what generally where you're going is what I'm talking about yep. as well. Yeah. and just in the olive industry. And that is, you know, I I, I went to Montgomery Inn. This is also kind of what got me thinking about like good value wines or good wines. Not to get off on a tangent, but Montgomery Inn is a famous barbecue place in Cincinnati. And I went to Montgomery Inn on a Tuesday and I looked at their open table and it said like 347 covers or 347 people. On a Tuesday, like surrounded by a thousand restaurants, you know, and I looked around and everybody's having ribs and I'm like, how many pigs did it take for this Tuesday right here at this one restaurant? And then I was like, multiply that by the rest of the week, by the rest of the year and that's only one restaurant. And I'm like, and then you start getting into the, you know, the farms in North Carolina and the, the, the not the farms, but the slaughterhouses yep. and all that. And it just gets, and you, you know way more than, about, than I do, but the concept of, of you know, so how much it takes to, the, where I'm getting at is how much it, how much grape, how many grapes it takes to make Yellowtail that is in every CVS in America. It, it, it's, there, there's something not right about that. And versus, like, um, what I was saying, you know, alluding to you with uh, yep. Chop Shop, mm-hmm. um, w- which what they're doing is amazing. It's the same thing with wine, where these are farmers, mm-hmm. and these are small—this is a small family mom-and-pop farmer situation. Mm-hmm. So, anyway.
1: No, I, and I, I absolutely love that. I My expertise, and if, if that, uh, is not wine, but— You know, one of the things that I've read uh, is that, you know, ground meat, burger meat in some supermarkets, let's call it uh, Walmart, because why not make Walmart the villain here? Um, But like a Walmart, burger meat that shows up for purchase could have up to a thousand or more individual cows meat as a part of that ground beef that you see. Um, and they use centrifugal, uh, techniques, machines to extract meat scraps from bone somehow or another. And that meat ends up, uh, our burger patties. Mm -hmm. And I find that horrifying. Um, and yeah, the scale on, uh, on pork specifically and chickens moreover is, uh, dumbfounding when you, when you start to think of it. And so pinning yellowtail, which uh, I don't see as much of a villain as uh, you know, Burger King meat right. uh, in that same conversation was actually really helpful for me when I think about uh, buying wine. And so that's actually an interesting segue. How do we turn our guests here, the listener, into a slightly more educated consumer and have them walk into a shop like this, and ask a question that gets them a wine like this. What is a, if if you know nothing or know a little bit, what is a good thing to do in a wine shop that would get you something as tasty as this at a price as friendly as this?
0: The question I get a lot to get to that answer is people all the time will text me, I'm at this restaurant, or I'm at the grocery store. Which wine, you know, which one sucks less? You know, uh, and I always say go to a small wine store no matter where you are. And, uh, like, I, I, people just can't grasp it or something. Uh, they're just used to go in the grocery store. And and I'll even, like, Google, like, you know, Charlotte and look up small wine shops or looks it like, looks like a small wine shop. And I'd be like, try one of these three and just go ask the people. Uh, that's what they're there for. That's what they were getting paid for. And the person that owns the business isn't going to hire them unless they know something about wine or they think that they are knowledgeable enough to help somebody. And so their whole job there is to help you pick out a wine like this. Mm -hmm. And that's why small wine shops I think will always survive is because that doesn't happen at Ingalls or Kroger or wherever because they just got transferred from frozen foods to the wine section. And um, so there's, there's not like one answer because there's so many different I mean, I've been in multiple markets selling wine and I see a lot of similar labels but you know there's a there's a hundred of these wines out uh, 100 there's <laughs> thousands of these wines like this similar mm-hmm. and that's why wine is so cool and it's also tough to like decide on a wine you know we're thinking of a wine to taste and I couldn't narrow it down, because I'm so excited about these two, three, four, five, six, seven wines that are of good value, aren't going to harm you, and taste great, and I mean, I think this is a well-balanced wine, when I say well-balanced, I don't want it to be too dry, I don't want it to be too fruity, I don't want it to be too oaky, I don't want it to be too much of anything, just like your Italian dishes, I don't want too much garlic, and I don't want it to and I know you probably feel the same way as a cook and a chef um but I want it to be in harmony with everything. I don't want it to go ha ah, hello and yeah. hello tomorrow morning too and <laughs> uh but with this, you know, there's balance. Yeah. It's got fruit, it's got some tannins, it's got it's got everything and it's balanced. It's medium medium bodied and something, you know, that's too light or something that's too full, this is right in the middle. But the answer is, go to your local shop and ask the professionals that are paid you know, to do that and help you out. And there's going to be better ones than others. But in general, they know where the bargain is because they're, I tell you what, because they're taking it home mm-hmm. that night. Ask them what they're drinking because yeah. they're drinking the cheap, not the cheap, excuse me. You don't use that word. It in the, uh, it, affordable. Yes, the affordable, price. great value. Yeah, the price everyday. value. Everyday. Mm-hmm. everyday price point. Some people say Tuesday night. I say Monday morning, you know, mm. so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway. I love that. But what about, you know, like, you know, what if I'm like, ooh, I really like wine. I, I don't necessarily want to go train to be a sommelier. Are there any books that you would recommend? Yes. To get and started? Metro
0: Wines, uh, we host classes here all of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Hale is our uh, education director, and he is a fantastic teacher. Um, and but there are some great books um most recently the biggest the the big one that everybody's jumping on is wine folly hmm.
3: mm-hmm. uh, and she did a one great one.
0: job of marketing and she has great content and uh but the one that i kind of grew up with that a lot of people in in kind of my era um i mean there's so many but uh windows on the world is a good intro um Kevin Zarelli, I think his name is, and I mean Jan- Jancis Robinson has a a whole shelf. I've got, uh, you know, wine is has a lot to do with geography, and mm-hmm. so an at- a wine atlas is great. Um, there's there's Wine Bible, there's um, Secrets of a Sommelier by Rajat Par. That's really cool. Uh, there, there's quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, also really cool. Educational tool. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I'm really excited about it.
3: YouTube. I was gonna say Netflix. <laughs> gonna say Netflix no, yeah. YouTube. No, really
0: YouTube. YouTube is. Um, are you familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk? Uh, you mean
1: Gary V? Gary V, baby. Yeah. In the show notes page, I will have my multiple pictures with Gary V from over the years. Uh, yes, I am. Okay. I'm. Okay. Well acquainted. Well, you know,
0: wine library. Started in the a, wine as business. A, as, yeah. That's and where I started. So he was intriguing to me because of what he did and how he did it. Mm-hmm. Probably the reasons why you are may be intrigued by him or not, I don't know. Uh but wine is what got me attracted to him totally. at first. And um but yeah, he I forgot where I was going with that, but he's he's uh, a he, oh oh you t- YouTube. Yeah. YouTube YouTube. Yeah he had hundreds uh, of so many videos daily,
1: you know whatever it was called back then but the the wine videos that he would Yeah, doing. he
0: was doing it early. Super early. And uh, just the way he talked about wine and and what he was talking about and I would look up I would look for those wines that he was tasting mm-hmm. and uh and it was something like when I'm like getting off at work and I'm laying in my bed at night and I want to do something about wine but I don't want to read a book right now. It was like YouTube Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. So love it, and uh, I love that as an answer.
1: We're even better friends now. <laughs> but yeah, um, I. So one of the things we I kind of alluded to before, it, wine can be intimidating. So someone who doesn't know, I also feel personally that I don't, I don't know what my palate knows. I'm getting better at using words to describe things and knowing, oh, wait, Sarah, is that cardamom? Yeah, congratulations. Like, I don't know flavors. I don't know, then I don't even, and if I do know the flavor, I don't know how to necessarily catch it sometimes. And so I find, personally, that um, you're either with people who, when I say, it's a little sharp. They're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Or I'll say, it's rounder, and they get it. But I don't think that's a wine word, sharp and round. Um, what are some of the uh, what's some of the lingo? What's some of the? Jargon? I got you.
0: Here's what I do. This has served me, and this actually comes from Kevin Zraeli, uh wine uh, windows on the world. And I didn't realize it until afterwards. Um, actually, I think he did it on the Today Show or something like that. But it, it just went click. Think of there's a, a couple different things that it, how I talk about wine with people on the floor. And the easiest thing, and I think what I've done, I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, and how I've connected with people is talking about something so complex and bringing it down and talking with people instead of, you know. At or above. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's light, medium, and full-bodied. Don't think about lavender and raspberries. It takes years to build up a palate and a nose to catch those characteristics, or to point out those characteristics, at the 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 um, restaurant that I was working in, everybody we we had a wine class every day, and like uh, yes, I'm getting hints of um, you know uh, rhubarb and all this, and I'm like I have no idea where they're getting that. I'm like I smell this smells like red wine to me, yeah, it's and got a little bit of a
1: sock. This one smells a little bit like red wine and socks.
0: Yes, yes, but. Uh, eventually I got it. Yeah. Eventually I got there and, but it took tasting wine all the time, tasting wine all the time. But what I, how I talk about wine on the floor is light, medium or full bodied. Okay. So think about the tangible things. Those are the things you were talking about. Sharp, um, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, white wines, light, medium and full bodied. Skim milk, 2% and whole milk. Hmm. Think about the mm. viscosity, the term is. Mm. Light, medium, and full. Uh, whole milk is very rich. Skim milk is very light. And uh, in general, those three wines that I mentioned, uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Grigio, and Chardonnay, there's thousands of others, but in general, those are light, medium, and full. On the red side, Pinot Noir, Malbec and Merlot, Cab and Zin. Mm.
2: Okay, can we guess what this one is?
1: In terms of body? Yeah. Kay. So we're
2: drinking, what is it again? It's a French wine. Coturon. Coturon. Coturon.
1: Coturon. I'd have to say lighter medium. Uh, I can't imagine this is a full body, but I don't know.
2: Yeah, I would say medium.
3: Yeah,
1: this is medium. Because uh, I'm thinking when I think full body, I think like, <sighs> uh, yeah, yeah, like, uh, what's it? Uh, I'm thinking only I only know Tuscan wines and it's not. Uh, Super Tuscan or something mm. or?
2: I, mean, I think some Chiantis can be some Chiantis uh,
1: br- br- br-
0: br- are yeah. tough though because some of the w- some of the worst one I've ever had was a Chianti and some of the best wine I've ever yeah. had. Be- it can be very light, it can be in some of the, like the people that are producing it to mass produce it, exactly. you know. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm
1: thinking Brunello, di Montepulciano Brunello or Brunello Isn't Isn't that sometimes like Brunello br- Brunel? It can be
0: very it can be very earthy, it can be acid driven in mm. that mm. sharpness that you're talking about. Yeah. But getting back to that, yeah. the, it, yeah, think about but how you can feel. Like, right. what can you feel? Because not everybody can pick out lavender, but everybody can feel that it's sharp yeah. or that it's tart. It, or, it,
1: um, the the language that the, the
0: guy, Pino, from Florence would
1: use was uh, it start the wash machine. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: You know?
0: That's what we would always do. But that that was when something was acidic, the washer machine would start. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So taste this wine again. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get a little tannin tannins are little tiny particles mm. uh, in the wine this these comes from the skin uh, the 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 stems, some of the oak uh, it can come from many different places. Think of it like tea or like coffee uh, the little particles mm-hmm. there's tannins in tea yeah. and coffee
2: that last little bit of coffee yeah. it's like
0: so it's that gives you the dry sensation on your tongue okay. Uh-huh. Uh, someone said one time and it's always resonated with me and if I taught a lot of classes in Cincinnati and they would, all the people that took those classes would be like, yeah, we've heard that before, Zach, from you. But uh, it's like licking the paint off of a wood fence. It's just dry mm. on your tongue. And the more tannins in a wine, the more tannins and acidity in a wine, the longer it needs to age. Um, and t- wines... to. Good wines that can age need tannins and acidity. And the idea is that 25 years from now that a wine with a lot of tannin and acidity is going to be very mellow and easy to drink. That's not the best term to use, mellow, but it's just the fruit comes out, it's easier to drink. Um, but that's you, a tangible— Would you say rounder? Using rounder, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So something sharp, if it's sharp, it might be young.
0: Yes—
3: Yes. Or that but might it, be the type it, of wine. It
0: might be the type of wine, how it was picked, when it was picked. Just like an apple, if you pick it early, that's going to be sharp and acid driven. Um, but those are tangible things that you can mm-hmm. pick out. Whereas, you know, someone just beginning in wine, they can feel that that's dry, but they can't, again, they can't pick out the lavender. So I talk about what are you in the mood for, light, medium, or full bodied? And, and that's where I start. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like, what do you like? It's what are you in the mood for? But I talk about tangible things, and when people are like, ooh, that's too dry for me, they're either talking about the tannins or the acidity, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. And then my job is to get you to I associate that sharpness with acidity. And, and then you can say, I don't like wines that are too acidic. And when I say acidic, that tart sensation when you're sipping a wine that makes you pucker, that's, that's acid. And, um, you know, a lot of wine geeks are into acid because their palates, they taste wine all the time, their palates get fatigued, they need something to brighten it up and, you know, um, and the, the joke that I always think of is you start out drinking Riesling because it's sweet, some of it is. And when in your wine journey and you go, you just keep, you know, you just go around the gamut, you know, clockwise and you try this and red blends. Oh, I love cabs. Oh, I love this. And you try everything and then you turn into a wine geek and all you drink is Riesling again. But it's super dry. So the biggest wine geeks are into Riesling, but it's bone dry, like mouth puckering uh, wines that... They call it "rip your face off" acid, and which are good with food, uh, but when you're a wine geek, like I was thinking about wines to t- to taste with you guys, and I wanted to geek out, and I'm like, "Ooh, that acid is going to be rough." And um, like most of my family, when I pull out the stuff that I really want to drink, they're like, "Oh my god, what is this?" <laughs> you know? This one goes to 11. <laughs> yeah, but but then you uh, you you pair it with some food, and you're like. Yeah, this tastes completely it different. Yeah. So, yeah. so those flabby cabs from Kroger don't. There's no Krogers around here. From Ingles, um, you know, those don't pair very well. With, those are going to make your food bitter. So, anyway, uh, I uh,
3: thank you.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's that's fascinating. Like what you eat could totally change or, or you could drink a wine one day let's just say with certain food and then drink it the next day and you're like it tastes totally different like that's mm-hmm. happened to us totally. we're like one, one day we're like this wine is off like mm-hmm. something's weird and they very well could have been mm-hmm. we open second bottle and it's like mm-hmm. the next day tastes totally different because we we aren't oh, eating you mean the, same the next day you didn't
0: have any left you had you drank the whole bottle
1: no we had, like, for example,
2: <laughs> we had like yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that would, true. Yeah, true. But
1: that brings up two things. One is that uh, I came up with a rule, and I, it's you know whatever. It's not necessarily set in stone, but a rule that it's not revolutionary. yeah when I buy when I buy a bottle of wine, I try and buy two of them now because uh, a I'm forgetful and don't always take a picture of the label. Though you guys I know have it us in the system yes. and it's saved. Um, but I buy two on the idea that we like it. It's great to have another one, and then on the idea that if we don't love it. Love it, love it. It's still a great thing to show up to a you know, party with. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and then the other thing was with the thing, this is uh, me kind of massaging my own ego. I took a wine class when we studied abroad uh, in 2009 when we first met. Fun fact. Um, and in that wine class, the mid, that class was the hardest class we've ever, I've ever taken. Um, and the midterm, I was the only person that got an A on it. Uh, and I got lucky because i personally thought that the wine was off and i just assumed that like with all these tuscan wines that we had tasted he's going to give us a, a kind of like a fastball and it was going to be a county that was just my guess and i was like i don't think this tastes like a county something tastes weird and so i wrote i think it's supposed to be a county but something is weird about it and i don't necessarily know what but here's what i got and He happened to open a corked bottle, and he didn't taste it before he poured it for everyone in class. And so everyone was like, oh, it's whatever thing, and it's nice, and it's round, or it's a medium body. Uh, We're just wrong. But it was corked. It was corked. Yeah. I got lucky. Nice. Nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, blind squirrels can find nuts. (laughs) I am the blind squirrel in that metaphor, listener. Um, So thank you. So thank you. I honestly I absolutely love this. I think we'll be going home with two of these. That's my guess. <laughs> cool. Um, and so, wine tasting. Are right, we talked about someone walking Sorry, into we're a closed. shop? <laughs> we'll come back tomorrow. Um, but we talked about people coming into a shop, asking questions. We talked about uh, ways to talk about wine. We talked about books.
2: I don't know. I mean, what what's in store? You know, let's say for the next three to six months here. Um, I know you, it's, you've only been in Metro Wines for six months, but you've probably got a good lay of the land now. I mean, what's what's gonna be new? What's happening? What what changes are?
1: And I'll just coming? I, I want to dive in mm-hmm. because there is already so much happening. Right? You talked about the so classes much. that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the first thing you see all thing- these
0: boxes. This is Wine Club. There's wow. 130 140 members, and we it has outgrown our facility. Wow. So.
1: Yeah. So like when Sarah and I first walked in, we, you have like a wall. It looks like a, I don't know, like a dormitories welcome wall thing. Where it's just flyers of here's all of our classes, all of our programs, mm. all of the things oh, yeah. that we're doing. And we were like, this place gets it. Like it clearly you're doing a ton already. And I just, that might not be a hundred percent explicit if you listen or have not been here before. Um, so, that was just my only thing I wanted to say because I felt like we had an opportunity to talk about classes earlier. And I just want to say, wow, we can't wait to take some. But also, what are we excited about in the yeah. next
0: three to six so, months? So, first of all, the owners do a great job and have done a great job of building this business through events. I didn't do a lot of them in Oakley because I didn't have time. And the energy just ex- like thinking of the time that I would need to do to take to do a wine dinner. It like got me exhausted just thinking about it. just with everything that was on my plate and um but there's seven events next week alone. And three of them are on one day. We have seven weddings. Uh some half of those we're delivering. Um you know. Uh when you said what's the next what's the plan for the next three to six months in our meetings, uh kind of management owner meetings, it's survive, because it's going to be crazy. And uh, business is up 30% this year, and which is fantastic. And we're just scratching the surface. And uh, I, I think from Metro, um, since I've gotten here, I think the owners have done an amazing job. I know that they've done an amazing job. They have such a great following. They were doing anything and everything to get people in the door, And once people got in the door, I mean, they were doing, they were talking about making fresh pizzas and stuff like that. There's nowhere to make fresh pizzas there. And John was telling me the other day that, like, all we ate were pizzas for so long because of all these things they were just trying out, you know? And, um, but the idea, they just wanted to get people in the door because they knew they could get people back because of who they were, how nice they were being, and the staff here. Um, how good they are, and so the point this year is let's get systems in place, and um, what my point of saying that is that they didn't have time, and they haven't been able to put the systems in place, but let's structure this business so we can take care of the guests better next year, Mm -hmm. and our focus is going to be on stuff, a little Gary V stuff, like he always. I don't know if you heard the story about him. Someone bought a case of cheap, Pinot Gris, inexpensive Pinagrigio, and he said, "Find out." He looked on Twitter and found out the guy liked Jay Cutler or something, and um, sent the guy a Jay Cutler signed jersey, just like that. Just thank you for your business, and like three weeks later, one of his staff, Gary's staff members, brought him. Um, an email that said, hey, I'm your, your, your Pinot Grigio guy. His name was you know, Tom or something like that. I'm Tom's buddy. I really appreciate what you did. And he bought like $8,000 worth of Burgundy or something like that. And and he was like, oh, by the way, I'm a big Jordan fan. <laughs> and uh, like really honing in on customer experience. That's what's next. Uh-huh. Right now, it's putting systems in place because of they built such a great thing, and uh, I'm here to help them put the systems in place and then take this to the n- next level mm-hmm. and focus in on the relationships thing. And um, what we were kind of alluding to earlier, I'm. it's, a, it's not going to be secret anymore, but the whole library thing, my kind of marketing thinking of where i wanted to go i can't think of the book that i read recently um it'll come to me in just a second but it's 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 all about branding and uh there's a story behind every bottle mm-hmm. that was kind of the focus where we wanted to go excuse me where i wanted to go but um the bookstore thing we were talking about right. earlier yeah. you know but anyway the next step is is customer and honing in on how do we best customer retention you know like how do we get our current customers back in more um, right now we're just trying to survive i mean we we are a small store we actually have a pretty large staff considering that's most people say that a lot like wow there's a lot of people that work here, and they're all you know paid well and they enjoy it some of my you know some of my friends and customers say that I love metro because the people there seem like they love what they're doing and they love, they're just like happy to be there. So anyway, but cust- taking care of the customer and honing in on that, like the Gary V stuff is, mm-hmm. is next step.
1: Uh, a book that we'll put in the show notes, the thank you economy. One of his. I think it was the yeah. second book kind of speaks to what you're talking about, which is doing non-scalable, obnoxiously meaningful, small things. Right. Um, and just assuming that you live in a very, very small town where those things will pay dividends and in a world where a tweet from a guy who gets the Cutler jersey could be a difference maker uh, for your next quarter and you have no idea, you just keep doing those non-scalable, small,
0: but meaningful yeah. things. And the book that we're kind of focusing on for this step in the next three to six that has to do with systems um it's the owner and myself. It's probably one of my favorite business books. Is the E Myth? Mm, love it! Fantastic mm-hmm. book. E Myth revised. Yes,
1: as uh, was my guess, is what you're talking about.
0: And the, I think it's how to be, how to build a story or story branding. Story Branding. Oh yeah. That's yeah, Donald the one. Like those guys. Miller. Yes, Donald mm-hmm. Miller. That's the one where the, um, just focusing on what uh, on what the you story. do best and like good to great when they talk about the mm-hmm. hedgehog stuff and mm-hmm. all that. So.
2: Love it! Um, yeah, that's great. Those are a great lot of resources. book resources on yeah. this one.
1: I'm we're also big readers. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, e Myth is one of those things that I find myself mention. It's one of those books that I mention more than most because whether and so another hero of ours is Seth Godin, right? So Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin, Seth Godin's e- daily email is one of the most worthwhile daily emails you can get. I've heard about this. He's he's fantastic. Um and so Seth Godin had one of his daily emails, which are you know technically blog posts, um, was uh it was discrediting the emith. It was not discrediting, it was just proposing an alternate reality. Um but the e-myth is so meaningful as a context builder for a entrepreneur business owner or someone who walks into a business and takes ownership right so you can be an employee and it is still worthwhile to read the e-myth because then you can show up and add more value than uh, anyone else um but the e-myth in short just kind of says that uh, as an entrepreneur as a business owner you should be working to build systems uh, that allow you to pull people into those systems teach them train them and have this thing work without you? Am I? Yeah, and
0: it was that? you know. There's an entrepreneur, a manager, and a, a technician. And the exactly. en- entrepreneur doesn't need to be the technician, and the manager doesn't need to be the technician. You know, have structure in your business and a uh, and um and I, I can't this word is to, hier- hierarchy. hierarchy. Yeah, hard and. uh you know and that was the the examples that he gave in the book there were people that were owning the business that were doing the day to day and could not get above water the the
1: beautiful language he uses is working in the business versus working yes. on the business uh and most owner operator self employed business owners are working in the business uh where we want to be is working on the business if you use the myth as your When
0: family. i grew Oakley the wine shop in um, in Cincinnati, that was a major part. There was something that kind of kicked my butt, and I said, okay, I got to do something different. And I started working on it instead of in it, and it was just straight up. And there, I left that as an infant, and it could have done so much more, and the people that bought it are doing that much more. But um, my point is, when I did grow it from... A to C, uh, it had a lot to do with that.
1: So. Love it, yeah. And so, for now, for more context, uh, Seth Godin just tries to argue that if you optimize your business fully in a uh, E Myth way, what you're building is something that doesn't have loosely humanity in it. Right? There's no personality. There's no. Uh, if you go all, if you go to a hundred. On eMyth, that means that you can hire any old widget and any old widget yeah, like can McDonald's fit. or something. Exactly. Yeah. And so, do you want to be? Do you want to build the next McDonald's in town? Some people, the answer is yes. Most people, the answer is no. You want to? My read on this, Zach, is that you would want to own a wine shop where sommeliers are your employees, and by definition, that is not a widget that you can hire a 16 year old to do this thing.
0: Yeah, we're just trying to take a. A book that talks about how to build, they're literally yeah. trying to build franchises. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to take sm- snippets of that Love it. and run a small business. We're not trying to build franchises. <laughs> so, right.
1: uh, th- and I, for me at least, that's understood. I just think uh, providing a little bit of context on the books because they are so important and you should read them. And there's always something to take. Uh, away. To take. Yeah. There's always something to take. That one specifically has been huge for me. Cool. Um, love that for what's coming up in the business. My next thought is um, Asheville, right? So you're six months or so into it. You have, uh, a, I mean, co-workers and you have a staff. You have customers that come in. I'm wondering, when I say Asheville and community in the uh, Rorschach test,
0: what shows up for you? Uh, support and... Uh, embracing, and I think the community is fantastic here, and, you know, I feel like I might have been a little uh, cold about Cincinnati earlier, but, you know, that's all I got. That's how I built a small wine shop was the support that I had, and it was amazing, and it was breathtaking, and, but Asheville, um, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that my wife has family and friends here and also to be honest like working in this wine shop uh it's pretty much where I live now uh I feel like but you know the the community that the owners and the staff have built here is very warm and inviting and it's like they let me into their circle and and it's you know all those events that they can host they can host seven events next week because it's people that are part of this little community, and it's it's not all new customers, it's the same community that are supporting this great shop mm-hmm. so but that's that's what comes to mind
1: cool
2: What about places that you know like outside of metro lines, where can we find you on the weekend restaurants bars cafes
0: um I have three kids. I have two girls and a a beautiful little boy. Um, So a five, three, and 10-month-old. Wow. And uh, my wife and I love to take them to Biltmore. And I actually proposed to my wife 10 years ago at Biltmore. And so last week, I took my kids, and like I'm going to tear up, but I took my kids to the spot where I proposed to my wife in front of the princess castle. And it was, like, the coolest thing. They were just so excited. I was like, this is the spot, you know. And, and we went inside, and my oldest, you know, my oldest was like, oh, my gosh. You know, so princesses lived here, and, like, there's a pool in here. And they were so excited about the pool in the kitchen. And But my youngest, when they found out that no princesses lived there, and her cousin at the time was in Disney World, she was just like, screw this place. <laughs> as 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 the 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 verbiage that a three-year-old could use she was like get me out of here (laughs) this is bs uh but no my wife is a photographer and that is like a canvas you know and no it's like a thousand canvases you know and you can ride bikes, you can go inside, you can sit and have a picnic. There is so much to do there. And that's not all we do, but that's just what we're doing a lot right now because we have, um, passes. So it's like, let's take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's huge for a family. Um, we, um, my wife and I, our date nights are at golden fleece and bull and beggar. Um, the wine list at bull and beggar is legit. Um, the, one of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life. And I have come from some fancy places was at golden fleece. Um, the lamb, the rack of lamb there was the most tender lamb I've ever had in my life. Um, it was seriously one of the best meals I've ever had. So now you're, I'm probably not going to go back there again and again and get that same meal. I feel like that was like, like one off. But it takes talent to do something simple and nail it. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like a lot of people in Cincinnati were getting away from that, where they're trying to do too much, like head cheese. And it's like, hey, why don't you nail a burger, and then do the head cheese, you know? And um, but, um, you know, the downtown thing. I so, mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it in Asheville here, and I'm a newbie. My wife is from here. She knows it very well. But downtown is weird here. Like, my buddies came up to visit me, and I got off of work. I went and had dinner, and I said, I'll meet you guys out at 930. And we stopped at, I think it was Burial or something like that. It was a Saturday night. And it's like, last call. And we're like, what? And then we're like, you know, that's BS. All right, let's go to the next one. And they're like, last call and everybody three places we went it was like last call and and i had forgotten that Asheville's kind of an earlier town and none of them had liquor and it was all beer. that's fine whatever but i just felt that was a little like different and (coughs) north carolina law you can't be a bar like you can't just be a bar you have to be a restaurant if you're a bar you have to be a private establishment and so you have to join their club. Like mm-hmm. I, my my buddy that I grew up with lives here now. And we went to this bar on Merriman and I can't think of the it's and we, some, we know some dude's name. I can't remember. Oh, maybe we don't know. Um, it. And it was like, are you a member? I'm like, no, but I would really like a beer. And they're like, well, you got to be a member. I'm like, oh. And I was just like so turned off and like, it's a dollar. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> you know? just say that. So. Yeah. But when we went downtown, I was like, I knew I had a feeling. I was like, do you accept new members? And they're like, not on Saturdays, and they're like, get out of here, you know. Uh, but but anyway, so don't do a lot downtown. We used to. Um but um I think it's fair. I'm sure there's there's other favorite spots, but um those are the that's basically what we do. I yeah. mean, there's the kids stuff, like go to the Mexican restaurant because they like cheese dip, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Which one?
0: Uh, the Guacamole and Beer and the Is it Mama's and Beer or whatever? Um, no, we're oh, not I talking. Know, I've, I've heard. Know, I've, I've know, heard, I heard I a few you we guys. I've heard a few of what you guys talk about. Uh-huh. That's like authentic. I'm talking about like.
1: No, I, I we've driven past it and I go that name tells you exactly. It's right by the um, like uh, Bed Bath Beyond. It's like right. It's out.
0: I think there's a couple. I think there's a couple. Yeah. But it's it's like like the kind of place where it's like. It's guacamole and beer. I remember it. it, Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, I'll have a number three. Yeah. You know, it's not like I'll have the tongue tacos. It's like (laughs) I'll have the number three and it's like two enchiladas and a taco. You know, know, I don't want to push
1: our our agenda on anybody, but Zillico is a friend. It's like a family friendly bar
0: no i i actually heard brewery. some of your uh yeah. podcasts and that is on our list so. i would i
1: cannot recommend it enough it's got this huge sprawling yard like the five and three can run around you can have the the yeah you know infant on the uh like a table or nearby and uh it is just, <laughs> i don't know i'm, I'm thinking table? i'm thinking like the little stroller thing no i what, hear you. You know, yeah. you mean like yeah. a baby yeah. carrier yeah. Yeah. you put funny. a baby carrier on the picnic table. Yeah. I
2: don't... Just throw the baby eventually, on the table. Eventually, I'll have
1: better words for it. Uh, we're not overly exposed, but like very friendly, uh, family friendly.
0: Yeah, a couple other places. We live out in Fairview and we go to the Whistle Hop quite a bit. Oh. A brewery mm, yeah. that's on a mm-hmm. um, train mm-hmm. cart. Uh-huh. But it's that like seems so cool. It's like tiny, mm-hmm. but literally, you're in y- there for 30 seconds to get your beer, and then you go outside, mm-hmm. and there's tons of room. Cool. And that's easy for the kids. And then Straight Away Cafe. It's kind of hidden, Sounds and fun. it's uh, it looks like a biker bar, it probably is, but then there's like, live music, and there's a volleyball court, and it's like you're like in the woods, and it's really cool. Um, I'm putting a star
1: on my map
0: immediately
1: following this straight star, away,
0: so. straight away, straight away. Putting yes. it on my map, <laughs> but again, you know, I'm new here, and, and yeah. my perspective is, um, but I have been coming here since I was a kid. I grew up in Johnson City, Tennessee. And my folks uh, had a cabin in Newland or Linville, like basically like Grandfather Mountain, Boone area. Mm-hmm. And so we've been coming here forever. And I've known my wife for a while now. And um, I had a crush on her since like 2000 and, and tried to date her for seven years. And eventually it worked out. You he wore her down. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but um, so, you know, I've been coming to the Orange Peel for for like 20 years, you know. But um, Anyway. So there's a, there's a few places that are, you know, with three kids, like when you work all the time, what do you do? So
3: right.
1: mm. uh, that's fair. Our uh, next question is if we had a magic wand, I know that you've listened to the podcast before. If We had a magic wand and could, you know, our audience or we could make something happen. What thing might you ask for?
0: That could go uh, personal, and that could go, like, on a personal level, uh, make the Asheville housing market more reasonable, Mm. you know? (laughs) Like, uh, I feel like that's something that literally could be a wand, and, like, boom, prices drop. But, uh, you know, we just, we sold, I had a condo in South Carolina that I just unloaded, and my wife and I sold our house in Cincinnati, and... We're looking for a place, and there's a lot of people looking for a place, and they all want the same thing. And the realtors are like so tired of it. Two hundred fifty thousand, a stream and a view, you know, in the woods, and everybody wants that, and it doesn't really exist. And uh, that's a personal like enclosed box that I'm in right now. So that's the first thing I think of.
1: Um, Hey, realtor friends who are listening. We'll make sure you can connect with Zach. Yes.
0: So trust me, there's <laughs> the day that we choose a realtor. I'm just going to be really, really sad because there are it's, we get so many calls like, Hey, I'm a realtor. I am one of your customer customers, I want to be like, there's hundreds of you, yeah. you know, like there's <laughs> yeah. so many, no offense to the regulars that I like Tammy and all my friends, but, uh, there are a ton of realtors that shop here. And, uh, when I have to choose one, which I'm just going to blame it on somebody else. You know, like, oh, my wife. It's her that's sister so or sure. you know. Yeah. But um, it's going to frustrate. You know, it won't. They, they're they in this game. They know it. You but it. anyway. So that's the Personally. really small box answer. Um, yeah. So Cool. That works.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: world peace is not a good answer <laughs> yeah. to this question, in my opinion. No. But it, it also
1: isn't
3: a bad answer. That wasn't
0: going to be. I wouldn't go that big in the box. But.
3: Cool. <laughs>
1: So then if someone were to want to connect with Metro Wine, is the be- where is the best place to do that?
0: So you can find us on all the typical avenues, Facebook, Instagram. We're not uh, we don't do a ton on Twitter, but we have a number of websites. We we have a uh, the blind tasting league, we have a wedding website, uh our our metrowinesashville.com that has all the information there's a blog there's a great blog and um, you know there, there's a a ton of places to get in touch with us give us a call shoot us a message on Facebook it it doesn't matter anyway perfect
1: go
2: to the shop
0: go to the shop <laughs> I, I Sarah
1: and I recommend coming to the shop um, and then plenty of parking plenty of <laughs> parking. so much parking um Cool. So we'll have links to all of those. Um, And, I mean, thank you. This was fun and informative and tasty. Very uh, medium body, a little bit of tannin, not too much, just right. The terroir, that's a fun jargon word. The terroir was just right for this.
0: Thank you. Yes. It was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: And that was episode number 24 with Zach Edson. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about what we talked about, uh, if you'd like links to uh, some of the resources that we mentioned throughout the episode, just visit the show notes page at makingitinashville.com slash 024.
1: And if you did enjoy the episode, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, Apple Podcasts is like the home, de facto home, for all things podcast reviews. Um, So we have links almost everywhere that would help you to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. So far, far there have been way more reviews than we kind of expected, and all of them uh, make our hearts smile. So um, if you've left one or plan to, Thank you in advance. It helps other people to find this podcast. It helps these stories uh, get heard by more uh, folks and helps kind of normalize this idea of there are many ways to make it in Asheville. And so uh, thank you in advance.
2: And as always, if you know anyone who you think would be a great fit to be interviewed on this podcast, this can be yourself as well. Uh, please visit makingitinaashville dot com slash podcast, and you can nominate them there.
1: All right, I think we did it. That was number twenty-four. High five, babe! High five. Ah, pet names (laughs) will be my device. Just
2: call me Sarah.
1: I know your name. I know. But Sarah.
2: Say my name, say my name.